So Orbit's still featured on the App Store. I, I've been checking most days. I was saying before the show. You're, I think the fourth most... The top, fourth top most app now? Yep. Um, yeah. It's the first yeah. in the second row. That's how we it look is. at it. Yeah, it's, it's got a prominent <laughs> position. See, I, 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 every time I open it, sometimes it's actually like changing the top section. So it's like a new top feature. So like first it was WWDC, then it was, um, then it was the featured apps for, um, what's it called? The, uh, design the, si- the design awards. And now it's like, a fourth thing it's it's uh it's a game at the top and every time i see that being changed i'm like oh no oh no they changed everything this means that we're not there anymore <laughs> uh, but we are so it's exciting but i feel like the time like we, we, i'm just gonna have to accept that we're gonna be moved to the second page and that's fine but it's like so it's really interesting the apps and games we love right now is such a it feels like such a taking time right yeah because you see slowly you're fading off the first page from the first come to second to third and then depending on how large of a uh, window people use there might only be two columns before they have to scroll <laughs> so, so we- it's interesting that this list is the same seemingly worldwide it's at least the same between australia and canada i'm sure that's great for you but do you know is the mac app store just like they just don't do like localized so features? we're not we're not featured in in countries where we do not support a language so, okay. for example, right. the, um, let's say, German App Store, we mm. wouldn't be on the, sure. in that segment because we don't support the, the just German. We don't have a um, localization for German. So, um, as long as you are in an App Store with a language that we support, which at the moment is English, uh, it would be there, yes. Great. Mm. Which, which makes sense, right? Yeah. We wouldn't want to be promoted heavily in, in France and then we don't actually support. Oh, could you imagine all the reviews? <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, lucky for us, we couldn't read any of them. So, <laughs> no, but yeah. it's every morning we're like, all right, let's, let's, let's open this. Also, you know, the app store is not the best at, at refreshing itself. So we mm-hmm. always like quit it and open it again. We're like, all right, still there, still there. Yeah. Good. Yeah. yeah. No, it's yeah. it's super exciting, uh, man. Like you, you get a lot of impressions from being there. Mm, I <laughs> I, uh, it's it's just so exciting to know how many people seen your logo. And I don't know if we said this in the last episode, but we were we went to t- to some meetups uh, during the WWDC week, and then we were just running into people we never met before, and we were just talking about what we're doing, and we said that we work on Orbit, and then we explained what it was, and the one person was like, oh, I've seen that app. <laughs> so it's so cool nice. how people actually have seen it, and I feel like if you do if you do anything on the Mac App Store, it will have appeared there now. So that's mm. super exciting. This is a good way to tell how many people in English speaking countries actually open the Mac App Store. Like you <laughs> yep. get all of them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You've just got analytics for the App Store. I know. It's great. I know. <laughs> it is a bit weird, um, but it's millions, so it's it's quite a lot of people. Mm. Um, our our conversion funnel looks looks a bit uh, horrific as a result of that because you're like yeah. Usually, if you have impressions, the the conversion rate would be better, right? But we have like millions of impressions and thousands of downloads, which is. Uh, this you- is as broad of a feature as it gets. Like know, normally, know. you know, an impression in search is going to mean a lot more than exactly. the front page, and also you get impressions from everybody who's opening the app to do anything <laughs> else. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. So it's it just it means that kind of 
those numbers are completely useless to us. <laughs> yes. Because <laughs> like an impression means nothing. And it's like, it's also considered an app store browse, right? Which also, yeah. again, at the moment means nothing at all. Um, which I'm not complaining about. I would like this number to keep meaning nothing. So everyone stop releasing <laughs> Mac apps and uh, app store editorial. Keep us where, where you have us. We're, we're yeah, happy realistically, people don't need to release Mac apps now because it's better to wait till <laughs> till, till you can just convert your iOS and iPad apps directly. <laughs> really, just just wait a bit. Also, like Big Sur is such a big design change. So yeah. might as well just go all in on that and wait for that release. You don't want to make it look out of place now. So just just hold love. Words of wisdom from featured Mac App Store developers. You heard it here first. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I mean, we'll be we'll be ready for Big Sur if yeah, unless there is a major thing going wrong, which I don't expect. Also, that's also interesting. I don't actually know if Mac apps get crash reports and analytics or not, but if Ah. they do, it's currently saying zero crashes, which is. I guess good news. So does good it say zero crashes or not available? No, zero crashes. Okay. Yeah. And uh, but you almost want one just to know that it's working. <laughs> I know. Like just just to be sure that there's some reporting happening and then it can stay at one forever and ever and ever. But the one would bother me. It's like, all right, what happened yeah, there? You want like you want like UI kit dot UI label like something <laughs> you can't fix, right? And then <laughs> what is a UI label? What kind of framework are you using? <laughs> oh, sorry, uh, NS is it NS on Mac? No, we're using. We're using text, the Swift UI text. Yeah, but it, but it renders to... I don't think it renders to a Oh, label. actually, text doesn't. No, you're yeah. right. Text doesn't. Yeah, yeah. That's the, that was the first one they yeah. came out and said doesn't. Yeah. Okay. Well, whatever. You want some <laughs> low-level framework. I like... You had like a hundred parts of the <sighs> framework to pick one, and you picked the one that didn't render yeah. to <laughs> I tried to pick the most like simple I know, thing. I know. <laughs> um, uh, wrong yeah. on so many accounts there, too. <laughs> but also anyway. feedback has been really nice so far i've yeah, nice. really enjoyed support like i don't know i'm maybe still in the honeymoon phase but at the moment it's really nice people are yeah, like kai told me the other day he's like i want more support questions i'm like no <laughs> you're gonna regret saying that yeah you'll regret that <laughs> wait till you get to the point where you know two hours of your day is support and then yeah. you'll uh yeah. Cursing but it's so nice it's like i i don't I, i'm not at a point where i do text snippets so it's i just take a little bit of time and answer people and mm. figure out workarounds for features that we know are in the pipeline but currently not there or mm. if someone's not mi- seeing a feature i record a small video to to show them how to get there it's kind of yeah. nice and everyone's super mm. super positive super yeah. friendly uh everyone even if they say Hey, I have this question. They're still saying, but I love everything else so far. So it's, mm, it's nice. been, it's been really, really nice. Yeah. And I think many of the questions we get are, we already had answers to. Like it, it might be like a feature that we're planning on making quite soon. So it's quite nice to, to get sort of expected questions. It's not like, why am I not seeing any of my data? What is mm. happening? Like everything is like feature related. So mm. I think that's quite nice. And that's another thing. We've not had a single bug report yet. Um, oh great! Obviously, awesome. because we didn't write any, so <laughs> of course, of course. <laughs> no, Swift UI makes it impossible, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> but it's also nice, right? Uh, I, it's a lot easier to tell someone, "Hey, how do I get my tax number on the invoice?" than than saying, "I have this super obscure bug and I don't know how to work around it, and now all my data is gone." Not something we expect, and we have backups for everything. But it's those are also the best possible support query so far yes oh, that's, nice. quite fun. that's really good cool mm. and generally speaking uh my experience and talking to other people who who do support a lot more than i do is 
if you take a human approach and you're kind of nice in your response, generally mm-hmm. people respond quite well, even if their initial mm. message was quite frustrated. I think a lot of the times people think there's like a big machine sort of working mm-hmm. behind the scenes to produce these apps, but and they're not expecting a response. So they type things. I know you said you haven't had any upset customers, but when you do get them, if you do get them, <laughs> like generally speaking, they think there's a big company behind mm-hmm. it and- um, you know, they'll write quite ag- quite aggressively, not expecting a response. And then they get one that's polite and they usually change their tone mm. pretty fast. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Not always, but almost. So, yeah. Mm. yeah Why would we get a negative uh, uh, response? Our episode is weird. People, <laughs> someone, someone will find something to complain about. It's a thing yeah. that happens. All of our customers are nice. Why don't you support my language? There are a thousand of us that speak it in the world. <laughs> but even that, we had really nice feedback from someone. It's like, hey, your app is not localized in, in my language. If you send me an Excel file, I'm happy to help out. Ah, it's nice. Like, that, is, <laughs> yeah. that is so nice. People are really, good really kind nice. of people. Yeah, yeah. yeah nice. it's awesome. Um, yeah. So, so far, very, very positive. We also passed the 10% to full sustainability, which is great. great. Um, That's actually really good for a few weeks. Yeah. Hold on. Mm. Yeah. Two yeah. weeks, right? It's, yeah. I think two weeks. Awesome. Yeah. yeah. Two and a half. Yeah, so the current rate, I mean, I don't expect the current rate to to be stable, right? Because first of all, fewer and fewer people will see this for the first mm-hmm. time and we're we're just drifting mm. into into the, the like in past the first page, I think will have a dramatic impact on yeah. on I'm downloads. Sure, yeah. But at the moment we don't do any other any other marketing apart from tweeting every now and then. But I'm also imagining that some people might have downloaded the app now and then they might not have signed up for a subscription yet because like this is the type of app you want to decide if you want to go full in on or not and i think people might be considering like which system they want to pick and then they might compare multiple and Mm. then they decide to go with us Mm. (laughs) yeah that's that's obviously the outcome here Mm. but it might just be that they're waiting it's difficult to get people to change what they're using right then and there like often you have to wait for a certain period to Mm -hmm. end be it a financial year a calendar month whatever it might be before somebody's willing to to switch across Mm. fully Mm. um which is is a good uh, time to bring this up in australia the financial year is over so if you want to switch to a brand new time tracking and invoicing app we might have one for you Woo. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, yeah yeah we're like three days into yeah. four days into the new financial yeah, year. How, how did i get that wrong it's the fourth of july and i said we're three days in that's bad <laughs> <laughs> um uh. yeah but that's that's also quite um quite a good point and those kind of turnovers will happen in different times of the year in different places in different places yeah. and at different times in the year so it will also be interesting if, if we actually get to a point where that's noticeable or not i'm yeah, just nice. out of my own personal curiosity it will be interesting if mm. we see more australian downloads now and then more uh north american downloads in december or something would be yeah would be fun to see or january i guess mm. yeah, yeah. it's especially tricky to switch mid-project um mm-hmm. You know, if you've got mm-hmm. half of your, your billable hours in one mm. time tracking mm. solution, it's mm. difficult. But yeah, if you start fresh, um, mm. which is what I'm doing for a new project soon, um, with Orbit, that'll be, that'll be great. Yes. You know, yeah. start from the beginning and, um, it makes it really nice. So just, I don't know if you're interested, but just a little bit of insight into how I've been using it. Um, yeah, for sure. <laughs> some of my like smaller clients, I bill monthly. And mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. the easiest thing for me to do then is to open Orbit on the first day of the month, look at the how many hours I did for the last month, and then mm-hmm. just write up an invoice based on that. And mm-hmm. for the ones that require more information, like some are just just purely hour based, and I don't need to categorize it. That's mm-hmm. fine. I can just tally it all up. Some are um, require a bit more like item 
like, itemization mm-hmm. on the invoice, and I can do that by like your project categorization. Mm-hmm. So it's working really well. Um, you know that you can create invoices in the Orbit app. I know, but I have <laughs> accounting software that my accountant wants me to use, and okay. it works really well with the accounting mm-hmm. firm mm-hmm. that I'm with, and I'm pretty happy to stick with it. Like, I'm happy mm-hmm. to just use Orbit for time tracking. Mm-hmm. I, I know you've got that whole other component. I just um, want to say it in case someone no. listening is like, oh, I thought they had this too. We also, uh, at some point, we also get to better export. So if you yeah. wanted to use Orbit to generate, because you can... Mm-hmm. In our invoicing feature, you can actually say split this off by task or by time entry or by um, uh, project. Project. So you can actually yeah. say if you work on three projects for for the same client, you can actually show like two hours yeah. on this project, twelve hours on that one, and forty yeah. on that. Because like I could generate the invoices with Orbit and then import them into my time tra- mm-hmm. sorry into my accounting software, but I would still have to then manually fill in the numbers on the yeah. accounting software because that's what gets calculated automatically. Mm-hmm. So it's just it's easier for me to do it once. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, I, I still like like time tracking is what I'm mainly mm. using for, but it works really well. So. But I do think like longer term we will have uh, integrations and export yeah, options. Cool. So if you're using like any of the bigger accounting systems like Zero or similar, yeah, they have an API that we could integrate with. So if you then also that comes to like uh, where we will send reminders, like we might in the future, send you a reminder every first day of the month. Hey, you tend to invoice this client monthly. Do you want to generate an invoice? And you can just say yes. It automatically generates it based on your previous um, uh, selections for the same client. And then automatically when you you actually send it off, adds it to your zero as an not yet paid one. And then as soon as you mark it paid, we we sync that over to to zero or any other ones Mm -hmm. as well and mark it off as paid with the date that you select in in our app. So those are things we definitely have planned longer term, Mm -hmm. but we we have quite a probably a couple of months worth of of other things we want to get done first. And then the entire big search thing is coming around, right? And then we have iOS 14 and we want to be ready for (laughs) iOS 14. Yeah. And And we already already had a few features planned before we started, before we're moving over to like the new updated stuff. We want to finish those things first and then we can move over to Big Sur. Um, But yeah, we, we we're currently working on support for multiple team members as well. So if you work mm-hmm. together with someone else, you can you can do that. Um, but yeah, they're just like this roadmap of things, and I'm super excited to to do all of them. But I'm yeah. I, I also want to jump onto all of the new big search <laughs> and uh, I was <laughs> the, yeah. yeah that that was. Um, we're thinking for the Swift, for, for the iOS app, we're still considering how we want to do that just because we think of just, we think we will just support iOS 14. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but that means that you have all those new neat sort of ways of removing your app delegate and using the app <laughs> type instead. And we had to, mm. we have to sort of have this like, if, um, we have to do this different versions for, for depending on what you're building for so that we can use all those neat things. Ah, yeah, good point. But, but be apparently right because... you can have different entry points. Um, yeah. yeah, each target should be able to have yeah. a different one, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. And you can also, if you have something that uses the new abstract, um, that, autom- that also has a main function. So you can just mm-hmm. call the, I don't know, you call your app, uh, I don't know, iOS app uh, is your struct name. You can do iOS main and call that and that will bring up your entire app mm. so you can then kind of switch if if it's just go through the app delegate otherwise bring it up directly mm. 
it's but I think we will for our to. iOS target, it will be fairly trivial because yeah. we just have a different entry point in general for iOS and we only support 14. So it will just be the structure we probably just have separately for iOS from, yeah. from macOS anyways, because a whole bunch of navigation flows don't make sense. And then use like the down the view hierarchy views we want to use across all the, yeah. all the different targets. But I think some views we will even have to duplicate and have like the old legacy code and then the new code because mm. there's certain things like, I don't know if you looked into SwiftUI a lot, Zach, but it's like uh, you can now have lazily loaded stacks. Yeah. Which is yeah. really nice. And that Very. is something we want to, we want to be able to use. So I think yeah. we will have some different, um, just some duplication of files in the beginning until we drop Catalina, but we want to continue supporting Catalina. Or we could build something with a custom initializer where mm. on, on the new builds it uses a lazy uh, mm. VStack for this one in particular and uses a normal mm-hmm. VStack on where it isn't available. There, yeah. there are a lot of ways we'll, we, we'll figure that out when we get there. And But we definitely mm. need to support Catalina for, for a little bit. Yeah. yeah. Um, how how do you feel, Zach? What do you think the uptake will be of um, Big Sur versus Catalina? Or I mean, people already are hesitant to move to Catalina. Yeah, I don't know. It could it could go either way. I'm not across Mac OS adoption numbers as much as iOS. I think they're not generally published as much. But mm-hmm. Apple doesn't um, publish them at least. Yeah. 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 But ha- have you um, heard like in the community? What do you think? Do you think people are excited? Uh, I think most people that we hang out with are going to update regardless. They would update mm-hmm. no matter, almost no matter what. Mm-hmm. But I think new design is going to get people who like new shiny. And generally speaking, a lot of the people we know enjoy new shiny software. So yeah, that's but the Mac one. is still um, such a heritage product. So I think many people yeah. might want to have the old style. I can give you a big thing that's going to force people to update though. Messages. That is what mm-hmm. yeah, that's the true. non-tech people that I talk with on a daily basis <laughs> care about. <laughs> Uh, I do too. Don't get me wrong. I am. I am part of the problem. I am so excited for <laughs> gifts and stickers and laser effects and all of those on the Mac. Is this something but, that people talk about? People who are non-tech people. Are they talking about this messaging feature? Um, part of yes. Like pe- people who are loosely aware of what's happening. Like, I, I don't really speak to anyone who's like completely clued out of the tech things. <laughs> um, Why would you talk but, to those people? Yeah. No. Um, but like, for example. Um, like if if my girlfriend and I have like a a weird thing and we want to like send some, a message with an echo effect and it's like to tease the other one about something, often it will be like, "Huh, I'm on my Mac, I can't see that." And then um, <laughs> she knows that that's changing, so she's like, "I can't wait till I can like actually get you every time once you update." And I'm like, okay, just <laughs> um, so like those kind of things where yeah, yeah. people are like roughly aware that things are improving. Okay, um, yeah, so it's interesting, but I don't know. Maybe I'm like hanging out with slightly more tech concerned people than. Uh, than average probably i should ask my sister if she knows <laughs> <laughs> but i also think this is something that will spread quite quickly right if if everyone yeah. starts to get cool new stuff like if, even emoji new emoji usually drive iris adoption yes. i'm sure that a new messages app that supports all the new stuff i mean in, in general probably more people use messages on their iOS devices, but mm. if you can get some of that on macOS and and the word gets out, I, I do expect people to upgrade. And I mean, yeah. realistically, Apple, they're people working at Apple. They're not idiots. They know that the new design direction will also appeal to to people. That I think it appeals more to people that 
to to a larger segment that is not the tech audience i think only the tech audience has any any reservations at all about this yes. design change yes. right all the people that that are kind of the broad audience are probably just hey it, it looks nice looks clean looks more like my other devices that i'm comfortable with cool well only like techie tech people who've done AppKit for 212 years they will be like oh i don't like how how uh sheets are no longer displayed from the top mm. of the, the the window chrome and i don't like how alerts now ha sometimes have them in a uh, vertical stack instead of horizontally next to each other and those kind of things but really i expect all that anyone will really notice is the new design because mm -hmm. like what's the like people don't talk about mac os updates normally like it you know people don't care but it's not uncommon for people to be like oh i won't update a particular app be it snapchat instagram mm -hmm. or whatever facebook mm -hmm. like when facebook redesigns the home screen everyone talks about that like it's not like people just completely don't care yeah um and everyone's got their opinion some people don't mind some people love it some people hate it like it, it you know it goes all all these ways but i think it's one of those things that you can't miss mm -hmm. like last year if you said to somebody to update to catalina they might be like what's new you might not really be able to point out mm -hmm. much mm -hmm. and you know they don't care you don't really care but this mm -hmm. year I, no matter what else changes i think everyone's going to be able to say it has a new design and mm -hmm. whether you love it or hate it, you're going to be aware that the mm -hmm. new macOS software is going to change how your computer looks. So mm -hmm. maybe some people rush to update, maybe mm. some people hold back, but mm. it's pretty difficult to be clueless about it. Mm. Yeah. Mm. And it's also, it is probably, I mean, it's definitely one of the largest design changes on macOS we've oh, yeah. had in a yeah, very, yeah. very long time. Probably as big as Yosemite. I think this is more a unification, but Yosemite mm. was a striking difference um, if you compare the two. Was there that big of a difference between Yosemite and um, Maverick, Mavericks? Was that what came before? I thought Mavericks came before. I thought that would have had a yeah, big Yeah, the one that came, whatever one came before. There, whatever was whatever changed from cat names, right? Is that <laughs> no. Yeah. That's, no? Uh, you might be right. Yeah. Yosemite was probably the first California name. And that was when they did the redesign, the iOS 7 style mm. redesign. Um, because I think the thing with that is, I mean, if, I, if I'm running uh, Catalina or what was before, High Sierra, I think, if I'm running one of those, you can't really tell a difference at a glance. But yeah, if somebody's yeah, yeah. running Big Sur, you're going to notice at a glance if somebody was running Yosemite versus Maverick, oh, sorry, Yosemite Whatever sorry, sorry for <laughs> making that. Mavericks was the first one that dropped a cat name. So we had okay. Mountain Lion and then okay. Mavericks and then, yeah, that's, and then Yosemite. Cat, yeah. So yes. you, you would notice a difference between cat name and Yosemite. Yeah. Yes. Um, at a glance. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, I shouldn't even have tried to correct you. Uh, yeah. No, no, that's, that's, I think that's. But also, I think there's now a benefit of. A lot of techie people were not happy with some of the Catalina decisions and mm. all of the, the dialogues for permissions and those kind of things. And two things happened. First of all, a lot of apps adopted to ask for fewer permissions or actually explicitly ask for permission when it makes sense. And those, a lot of techie people have upgraded to Catalina despite all of that. And now when, when people ask, Hey, should I upgrade to, to Big Sur? They will compare to the upgrade from, despite those people might not upgrading from Catalina to Big Sur, mm. but Techie people will compare it from Catalina to Big Sur, and they're like, "Sure, do it." Mm -hmm. So I think there yeah. are like multiple things in play that that. The only thing that I'm concerned about is the uh, the drop of 32-bit apps. I think but that's... that already happened. And I, I, but I does know, your but... average person care about? Yeah. It? If, if you're talking about somebody who normally doesn't know what's new in macOS, I don't think they're caring. They don't. I don't think they care about 32-bit mm -hmm. apps. 
And and people that were at least they're not yeah. in tune enough to realize they're mm. using a thirty two. And people that were enraged about that have already been enraged about that for that's, for a year. A lot true. of things have been updated yeah. since others, or yeah. there were alternative options by now. Or some of this stuff is just all right. Portal two no longer exists on macOS. Yeah, I really. <laughs> I really hope that something that like the conversation, the, the, the sort of promotional conversation will be different now. People are going to like everyone who asks all people who are not tech focused, who ask tech focused people will get a more positive response now. And, yeah. and no one who's already been to Catalina will lose anything significant now, right? It's not that you're not giving anything up. It's kind of like when you get iOS full device compatibility, you would expect adoption to be mm-hmm. higher because no one is, there's no incentive not to upgrade. There are no devices that are left behind on the old one. All the devices that ran then that run previous one get the new one mm-hmm. and for for this it's like all the all the in in air quotes downsides that you had to to swallow to go to Catalina like the 32 bit support that there's you know we're not dropping any other things now no, for Pixar so i think it's i would expect the adoption to be decent and new devices like i think apple will ship some killer new devices yeah. this year yeah so that that's, people that's will the other thing that I was going to say is that iOS apps on the Mac could be another big reason mm. for people to upgrade. Imagine that there's an Instagram app on your Mac. <laughs> like that would that would truly be a big driver. <sighs> but it, it's also I think those devices will be will be insane. Like I'm I'm insanely optimistic about Apple's own yeah. silicon for Macs because they can go so many different routes, right? We don't know exactly which route they're going, but they could either have insane battery life or insanely cool, or like as in not not run as hard, no. or uh, have <laughs> uh, non non comparable like two x or more improvement in performance and more battery life. They they just it will be such a significant leap in in computing advancement that I also think this will just become the de facto recommendation for a mobile computer again. Where it's like, look, Apple is probably saving some money with their cpus because like um i was hearing from some people who might know uh not within apple but within the industry of of making arm related chips that apple making one of those uh, a series chips will cost them in the tens of dollars while intel charged them in the hundreds of dollars so there's a significant reduction in, in cost for apple i don't know if that will result in cheaper computers but if you look at the macbook air for example which in the us is a 999 dollars right a thousand bucks if from that even in the lower end of the range right if, if 100 of that goes to intel that's 10 percent of the cost of the machine mm-hmm. um so if apple can get that down to in the realistically in the macbook air you probably have the lower range of the a series processor they, they all have from for uh macbooks if you can get that down to like 15 dollars uh, in in theory you could pass that on and all of a sudden you have a way more performant way faster way cooler way better battery life cheaper macbook air that has way better graphics as well you're like this is a no-brainer computer for for everyone now yeah so i have a question um mm. and it's, it's a bit speculative but <laughs> i was thinking about something what? this this show is all about having 100 <laughs> percent fact uh, check no, but, but this, this is normally <laughs> one of those things that i wouldn't like delve into on the, on the show but i was just thinking about something <laughs> i'm a bit scared yeah. uh, no no it's not it's nothing bad um so you know how for a while ios apps have actually yeah, no, i'll start from the beginning so <laughs> macs with lte like laptops with, yep. with mm-hmm. 4g 5g whatever it might be um i was thinking about this transition and i know one of the big arguments as to why mac os 
doesn't have uh, 4G comp- uh, mm-hmm. capabilities, whether this is true or not, is that the operating system just isn't mm-hmm. like support, like doesn't support mm-hmm. it. There's no, you know, you kind of assume that if somebody has a network connection, it's high speed and it's Wi-Fi mm-hmm. usually. Um, but I was thinking with the, like over the last few years, there's been certain things added to iOS uh, around low network usage for apps and your mm-hmm. app can behave differently or, or can trigger different network requests, I think, based on the status of whether somebody's in like a low data mm-hmm. state and you mm-hmm. can specify a Wi-Fi network that when you're connected to is one of the ones you want to use a little bit uh, less data. With all these, anyway, with all these apps coming to the Mac, is this maybe the Apple approach to handling some kind of mobile connection? And it started on iOS with the intent that maybe by the time these apps make it to the Mac... Uh, people are regularly running these kind of apps and these apps have had years to support this. I don't know. I was just kind of thinking it could play in nicely to, you know, maybe maybe 4G or 5G is a mm-hmm. an ARM Mac exclusive, a portable ARM Mac exclusive. Mm-hmm. And maybe f- by the time it ships, like 50% of the apps that you are running are iOS apps on your mm-hmm. Mac and they already support this low data mode. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It is, it is hard though with data, right? Everything that's cellular... 50% won't get you anywhere. Like, even if you have no, 90% of your apps running. But it's it's a, it's better than, say, coming out tomorrow and saying, mm-hmm. right, we have a cellular Mac with no APIs for it. Or yeah. no, we weren't prepared. I, I think this, this is purely a software problem. Because realistically, for me, if all my apps would have a low data mode, but one, that completely throws it out of mm-hmm. contention for usability, right? Even if just my backup tool jumps on in the middle of me being somewhere, mm-hmm. and all of a sudden it oh, tries yeah. to back up 200 gigs of data... Then, yeah. then I'm screwed. It's it, it's it's hard. I think hardware-wise, it's probably going to be fairly easy to solve. But from a software perspective and how long the Mac's been around and all the software that people are using, I do think it's hard without some kind of multi... I would. I mean, I might be completely wrong, but I would expect that to be a multi-year transition where we know, all right, like similar to OpenGL, right? We, we know for a long time OpenGL at some point will probably leave the Apple ecosystem. Didn't happen this time because Apple probably want to make sure that on ARM Macs, everything runs. No one can point at the ARM Mac and say, this thing you used to run here, your favorite game, no longer runs, right? Apple wanted for this generation to have as much compatibility as possible. But realistically, OpenGL won't be around for another 10 years on Apple Apple. In, in on all of Apple's platforms, probably. So I think this is, needs to also be something where where it's like a lot more APIs that across the board, like iOS, it's fine, but hmm. especially on on the Mac apps to to have more support for that. And we kind of start seeing APIs over time. Maybe even as early as next year, we see APIs that Apple strongly suggests, and we're like, why would People need to support that. And then the year after, like, hey, now we have cellular Max and it all makes sense. I do think we need that kind of like warning ahead. And then you start to read the tea leaves and you see that direction because it's it's just one one bad behaving app can blow you through your data usage. Mm-hmm. And so I don't do think, think Apple wants to do that with a system that's currently not, it's not particularly easy to support a low data mode on macOS as of right now. So let's say the next, the, uh, the, the first RMAC would allow you to use, cell, uh, use it on cellular. Do you think that would mean that they would have it available hardware-wise, but it wouldn't enable it until they release a public, a- public API for it? No. No? What, no? So what do you think the transition would look like? Apple's, again, 
maybe there are other things that I don't know of. My expectation would be next year we see some APIs, if that's ever a direction Apple wants to go in. Mm -hmm. Maybe Apple's like, what? Personal hotspot is amazing. Why would you want it on your Mac? Are you crazy? But if they're not, if they actually do think they want to get cellular into Macs at some point, I would expect there to be APIs. So you would expect there to be API before there's hardware? Yeah, of course. Okay. You kind of need that. I, I well, think look at that. the. I mean, what about the um, the A one, uh, the U one chip? That was, yeah, but that it's was it's it's different. Apple would want to make you pay another hundred fifty dollars for the okay. cellular Mac. Okay, okay. So if it would be available, then that's ta- so. So the API becomes available. How long do you think it will be then until they release an actual Mac for it? <laughs> and what would happen? Why do you make it sound like I know the answer to those questions? No, I'm just curious. <laughs> like, how do you see that working? If you're saying that like it's still a problem if only ninety percent of apps adopt this, like how are you ever gonna get? Re- are you gonna just force all apps from a certain date to support it, or how would you even handle that transition? Maybe all the apps that don't use the new networking APIs will just not get any data on on cellular, right? You mm. you have to have whatever your flags are uh, set. If mm-hmm. you don't set those, you're just completely cut off and the app is essentially offline. It needs to be something like that, I would assume. Mm. And therefore, it needs a decent amount of... of uh, developers need a decent amount of head start to build against those and set mm-hmm. those flags accordingly and and prioritize the api request and all the all the requests in the apps that can run over cellular and not do the the 200 gigabyte backups during that time and if you happen to not care about the mac or not update your app you just won't have offline access or something like that i don't know but f- i think that's it, you it, it's probably better to have that then have your app blow through 200 gigabytes of data and the user being super upset about mm. that mm-hmm. because this stupid yeah, MacBook <laughs> uh, blew through all the data. I, I don't know. I mean, it c- could be so many ways, right? Maybe it's just the iOS apps f- at first or the Catalyst apps mm. and uh, making APIs available and only those can, I don't know. But yeah, <laughs> it's interesting. I, yeah. I, I do not think that something that Apple could sneak upon us. Yeah. But maybe I'm wrong. Maybe there, there's someone who had a very clever idea, right? Just mm. it doesn't need that much. Sometimes there's just an obvious one in that you that you overlook. But in hindsight, that's that's clearly the way to go. But at mm. the moment, I would expect it to be more of a transition than a switch. I mean, I I have in the show notes an ARM Mac game. Which, ARM Mac game. Yeah. Oh, I like games. So we'll we'll get there. Um. But a few other things that also thought were fun. <laughs> okay, before that, we will tell you about our sponsor. <laughs> um, Have you heard about East VPN? <laughs> no, uh, we don't have sponsors. Thank, thank you. I came up with that on the spot. <laughs> <laughs> Clever. <laughs> I wonder if you have two other names you could come up with on the spot. Um, anything else related to the Mac before we move on? I mean, we kind of not move on uh, because we also have... I I do think this is super exciting for Apple in a lot of ways, right? Apple being able to make their processes across the line of all their products, it is super exciting. They now have own silicon 64-bit ARM chips in everything they make in, mm. by the end of the year or whenever. See, I would be really excited if I were Apple and I am able to make all the chips for all of, all of the different mm. devices. Because even the watch is running 64-bit uh, ARM, which is unnecessary for the watch. But What about the Apple TV? Sure. Runs on A uh, A series processors. Mm-hmm. Like everything Apple will make 
will run on some kind of own silicon. And that's great because multiple reasons, financial reasons, right? Because because at the moment, what what happens, um, I mean, there was a lot of discussion at everywhere about binning, right? Mm-hmm. How oh, Intel, has there been actual discussions about like, this? Like, not specifically around this, but like when, when the transition and what Intel does and, and how CPU buying and, and, and classifying happens, right? So Intel makes a whole bunch of, uh, makes a wafer, they, they need a certain... Performance carry, I super simplify that for one reason, because it would otherwise get out of hand. For second, I'm not super strong in, in a CPU manufacturing uh, knowledge. But in high level, uh, Intel makes a wafer. They want to have uh, cool CPUs to sell to their customers. And um, they always have some kind of... There's yield with it, right? Some of them are... are uh, perfect others have some some uh failed cores that do not pass their tests and intel obviously doesn't want to throw them away so what they're doing is they have the ones that kind of pass the highest test go into the the highest bucket and and the ones that fail the test for but are still within the spec of a lower lower performance chip go into the middle bucket and then they have a bucket for like the the lower end ones they only use for the lower end uh components and they put that in the lower bin so that way and they just disable the cores or uh, have them at a lower clock rate or whatever their their kind of criteria is. And Apple does that with uh, themselves as well within, for example, the A12 chip. Uh, they had uh, different, depending on how many cores were passing the test, it would either go into like one of the iPads or into one of the other devices, I don't remember. Um, but that process costs money and you kind of have... Uh, and at the moment, Apple kind of pays a premium to Intel for them to sort it out and, and pick the chips. And Apple only wants the highest quality chips for whatever product they're doing. Now Apple can do that across an entire product range, right? They can, Intel kind of almost does that on a, on their, uh, on kind of like a chip group, but Apple has way more of a spectrum now. So that will also be interesting how much, like, I don't know how similar in concept the, I don't know, A14 for Mac to an A14 from, uh, I don't know, your your Apple TV will be. But in theory, Apple has quite the spectrum now where they can say, this chip is like, we have all the cores, everything is amazing, this, this goes into a Mac Pro. There are like two cores that we can't use, so we deactivate them and that goes into uh, the iMac, then there are another two cores gone that goes into Mac Pro and this one only has four cores or that goes into the, the MacBook Air. And so on. And I think that alone will be for for the Apple chip team probably quite exciting that they have like this control and that spectrum to deal with. And I think that's that's pretty cool. Right? <laughs> uh, you you guys do not look very excited about that. No, I, I agree. Um no, I find all this stuff fascinating, but I don't know much about it myself. So yeah. I was happy to just listen to you talk. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like we, you, uh, I asked you to, I asked you about this earlier as well, Cass. So we already spoke a bit about it, but I, I definitely agree. And I think it's just making it so much more. I can imagine it making it more efficient, both from a cost perspective, but also from a manufacturing perspective. If if you if you are able to control that entire part mm. yourself, are they doing something similar for um, displays as well? Because I'm thinking displays need to have certain amount of like it so, has to meet a certain quality so standard. Displays usually, um, let's say you buy a display panels from LG mm-hmm. or Samsung. I think that's what Apple currently uses for all their um, machines. I don't think they use any. It's actually been a while since I looked at what what panels are running yeah. on MacBooks. I think and last iMacs, it, uh, last time we were looking at it, it felt like there were a lot more consistent 
than yeah. they used to be in the yeah, past. Yeah, I used to I used to be like on Mac rumors for for hours and everyone printing their display numbers to figure out who has an LG and Samsung and then doing tests on them and see which which display panel actually performed better and different times. Now Apple's <laughs> quality standards for the displays are a lot higher in general. Mm-hmm. But yes, if you buy a display panel from a manufacturer like Samsung or like, or LG or any of the other ones, um, they would usually rate the batches. So they're mm-hmm. still having batches and they do tests on them and then classify them. Usually the, the classification is kind of like A plus to, I don't know, whatever, how low they go to, to like a fail where they just dump the batch. I don't actually know if that still happens or if display manufacturing is good enough that you don't actually dump them anymore. Um, but yeah, Apple back, I don't know, five years ago, 10 years ago, only accepted A plus badges. Apple wouldn't expect except a or a minus badges those would then go to other manufacturers who have a threshold maybe at a minus so if you bought some kind of lenovo desk, uh, laptop or or like a i don't know any other kind of de- um, desktop display market manufacturer like uh, i don't know like lg making an actual 5k display they might say for for that display we accept all the way batches all the way to to a so Apple get, gets all the A plus that they need, and then all the A plus that are left over and A's they would make their own displays in. Hmm. But would you also? Uh, I I don't know much much about the display manufacturing, but would you be able to potentially cut different pieces out? Um, so let's say that you have a certain you need if in order to make an iMac that's mm-hmm. twenty seven inch, you need to have a certain quality, mm-hmm. and you can't mm-hmm. have dead pixels, for example. So if you find a sheet that I would believe have... that pixels are not that much of a problem anymore. Okay, uh, that used to be way more of a problem. Yeah, okay. but you do you can cut sheets as far as I know. Um, but it's hard. Usually with displays, you kind of have batches, and I okay. think they're now at a point where you just do like spot testing. And then you okay. consider the entire batch, whatever this particular one was, because there's not that much variance. There's some variance, mm-hmm. but overall you can evaluate batches. And I'm sure Apple then checks those batches against their own metrics and then rejects batches if it doesn't pass their spot testing and those kind of things. Okay. But I don't know. There are probably people who know more about the intricacies of buying uh, from different suppliers. But yeah, it's it's interesting. Apple usually has very high standards for that. And now it's it's interesting to see them being able to use that across the chips and hmm. wonder when they so start making their any, own panels. Yeah, are there any internal... Sh- are there any chips in the Macs that, uh, after this that are not Apple-specific? Chips? Right? Like any type... Are there any type of... Um, like I mean, there are other chips used in the computer, right? It's yeah, not- I, mean, you, you, I mean, you still have like Broadcom or whatever um for wi-fi so there's still like there's still chips that are from there's still things that could be replaced yeah okay Sa- same in your iphone your iphone still has probably a what are they depending on where you are intel or qualcomm and depending on which phone you have intel or qualcomm uh 5g 4g um chips in there and mm-hmm. there, there's still different components like i think i don't know what it is the barometer or mag- magneto magnet Mag- Sorry, I'm putting you on the spot. You don't have to. I think they're also third party. <laughs> I, I, I was just curious. Um, Apple doesn't make every single part. Yet. Okay. I, I'm, I'm sure there's someone who, who can't wait to move everything uh, to make them themselves, but no. But also, I'm I'm really not like a <laughs> hardware design person. Well, so out I don't of all three of us, uh, 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 I mean, I guess just speaking from, from my own point, I think mm. you, you're definitely more 
experienced in it and also more you have a you have had a very long interest in this area so mm. it's always exciting you're yeah. always very excited about this and i always enjoy talking to you about it yeah i mean back from when i did like led light manufacturing i i also stole some of the knowledge again there and just applied it across other regions i don't know <laughs> how accurate that might be but um, a lot of those things works fairly similarly so sometimes i just assume that it might be the same okay. but yeah either way i think it's quite exciting yeah yeah i agree um other random things <laughs> app clips um i think we talked about that last week and we're like yeah might be fun for skip the dishes or or like the uber eats and or um mm. hey you yeah but mm. i actually came around to it i i learned a lot more partially from you zach about how you can also just have them you don't i, I for some reason during the keynote assumed a lot of it will only run through qr codes no. and not so much being yeah, able to be shareable as well mm -hmm. yeah and i think that is actually quite quite an important differentiation because i do the ability think to be able to just share it as a as, as a share sheet basically yeah, yeah. I, I do think and, and that's essentially how i think a lot of apps are going to use it it's simple mm -hmm. it's easy um and it just means that like uh, if you like for example kind being there mm -hmm. if you had i think you have a share for a particular mm -hmm. yep. coffee shop um if you registered a sh uh, an app clip for that, it just showed a native UI mm -hmm. as opposed to going to the website. I mm -hmm. think that's going to be a bulk of where they're used. Yeah. And I think it has multiple interesting use cases. So one is the current situation one, where it's like maybe you go to a restaurant, but you wouldn't go in and look at a menu that other people touched and then order mm. and, you know. Oh, that's a good one, yeah. Right, if you... if. If that restaurant would have an app clip code available mm -hmm. that you could just scan from a distance without touching anything, see the entire mm -hmm. menu, place your order, that would be kind of cool for this current situation we're in, right? Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Or like in general, I do see that site being useful, but it's probably not as interesting for indie developers because, mm -hmm. I mean, I, I'm sure the Shopify's and the... Um, what is it called? Uh, squares. They will probably corner that market fairly quickly, and yep. yeah. and have like app clips available for for like stores that that happen to already have some kind of uh, Square terminal that they can use that for payment, and it all goes through the same system. I think that's probably going to happen. It would be s strange if Square wouldn't support that for for like restaurants and coffee shops and those kind of things. Um, but I think the, I agree with you that the, the kind of share share link and bring up a native experience will probably be a lot more interesting for mm -hmm. indies that might not have the capability to uh, to print things all over yeah. the world and and have stickers with NFC in. And, um, and I think that's quite interesting. Also, also for like the uh, there is a session at Dubdub actually um, about providing app clips for businesses that are not, are not your own. Yeah, look. Mm -hmm. I have thoughts on that. I thought it, you might. It's ridiculous. It's such a manual process. You have to, like, if you're Yelp, you have to go in and create a new record in App Store Connect for all the businesses that you have. It's it's ridiculous. Do you, you actually have to add a new record for each business? You don't have to. You could have a generic one. But if you wanted a, like, if you had cafes and you wanted a, an image of the actual cafe, then you have to. Really? Um, yeah. Huh. Yeah. Oh, so you man. could have a generic one that just like shows has a generic coffee shop counter mm -hmm. and then once you open the app clip it you know shows yeah, the correct then. UI mm -hmm. and loads a picture from a server somewhere. But anything that you display in the actual 
clip, like the thing that pops up before you enter the part that's your app, that mm-hmm. has to be provided manually as metadata in App Store Connect. Interesting. And I thought, my thought was surely not. Like before I watched the session, I thought they're going to have a custom way to do this if you have an app that has, I don't know, 2,000 locations mm-hmm. or something. Like you customize each app clip programmatically. You maybe give it an image URL and a title, but no, you have to do this in the App Store Connect web interface, mm-hmm. which is what kind of shook me about that session and i didn't like it interesting i mean for for the yelps it's probably okay because worst case they figure out an automation way of generating all of them and then sure i would hope that this is part of the app store connect api i think so i'd hope and then then yelp just has every week they dump all the new ones yeah you might get Mm -hmm. a generic one they pay an engineer for a week to build something that automates it for their marketing Mm. people and, and realistically, you'd get a generic icon for a week and the next week it will be like a specific one if they want to, if they want to support it, if they care. Um, because we thought for, for, for Orbit, we, our plan is to have the, we, we want to have apps on different platforms, right? The Mac app is very clearly focused on people who work from, from a Mac. Who knew? Right. It makes sense. People that work desk type jobs, designers, developers, and those kind of things. But for our mobile app, we definitely want to have to focus on be, people who would use it as a mobile device. Mm-hmm. So we will have certain core components shared. Like if you want to look at your your income and your invoices and your dashboard, like everyone does it, no matter. No matter how you earn your money, you want to see how much you, how much is coming in, how much you're having, how much time you've worked, right? Yeah. Those are shared components. But our focus will be more on people that do their job while not sitting at a desk. Yeah, like we really want to be able to use like the fact that you will be on the go as a... As a specific platform, like we want to, we don't want to just have a copy of what is on the Mac because mm. it doesn't make as much sense. Mm. So, I mean, certain things like starting timers and those kind of things will be across, but then the focus is more around people that might do um, work at a client's office or like that actually go somewhere to to do work um, or uh, trades people that might mm-hmm. do like a I don't know like a plumber coming to your place fixing all your issues. And then being able to quickly send an invoice while they're still in your home, assuming we ever have people going to other people's homes again, um, which I assume we will, as because plumbing issues, you probably, not everyone's able to fix them themselves, right? <laughs> it's happening here already, but yeah. we're at a point where our cases are acceptable, we can mm. do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but that's kind of, that will be a lot of our focus, right, for people, because it is quite convenient if you do have someone coming in, that they can send you the invoice directly without having to then... Like take take down all your details, go go home, then write up an invoice, then send it your way or whatever. It would be quite nice to just be able to send it directly, and either mm-hmm. as a text or an email or whatever. And you, as the client, can pay directly. And a lot of invoices are not being paid quickly, not because people don't have money. It's often a convenience thing. Mm-hmm. So we thought it would actually quite be quite nice to offer that as an app clip. So if if you get something fixed in your house and you get an invoice, you can just if you have Apple Pay, which I know you do, so no no excuses. <laughs> um you if you could just hit the app, Apple Pay button and pay directly and everyone is happy, mm-hmm. that would be quite neat, right? Yeah. So basically the way it would work is that the plumber or uh, who, wh- whatever work is being done, that person is just able to generate the 
invoice on the fly and then just uh, share the app clip with the person who should pay it and then they can directly pay it there. In, in whatever way, right? If yeah. it's an email or an iMessage or however you communicated before. And a benefit of that is also because it's all URLs, it's really easy to fall back on any other device, either it being iOS 13 or Android or or uh, a Windows laptop. <laughs> you know, then we just show our, our website where you can download the mm. invoice as a PDF, pay with a regular old bank transfer or apple pay if you're on a uh, supported device for apple pay on the web or or your credit card or whatever but i thought for that it's actually quite a cool use case that i could see actually adding value and you still you, you it still focuses on our like we want people to be paid for their work as easily as possible and I think being able to do that through an app clip might be might be a cool use case. I mean, a lot of prerequisites in the, in in the beginning, right? Because you need people that actually run all the latest software, have Apple Pay. But over time, that will increase, and I do think there's there's value in that. And there are like a myriad of other businesses and indies that might want to share things that way. Um, and realistically, as as the paying person, you don't need a payment app on your phone all the time. But if you do want to see all the receipts you paid, that's kind of cool too. But it's 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 not essential, right? It will be a very specific group of people that then want to create an account as a result of that hmm. and see all the things they paid. Most people are probably happy to just pay, save the PDF, or not even that and move on with their mm-hmm. lives. So I think that's for those kind of quick interactions that might return turn into some return and giving the option to make it permanent is, is quite a nice use case what do you think about that use of app clips it felt like something that we were it wasn't very prominently mentioned that like, it felt like all of the videos focused a lot on like physical scanning like scanning uh, like some type of qr code or similar yeah. things but I think that makes for a better demo of like, oh, I'm <laughs> yeah. out in the world and whatever. But I, I think, I mean, the way I see it is that I'm probably going to view way more app clips from hitting a URL on my phone mm. than I am from scanning or taking a photo of something. Mm. Uh, I did like the example you mentioned a bit earlier. If you had a, a restaurant menu, for example, you know, mm-hmm. if you're um, you're walking out uh, and there's a set of restaurants along the street, mm-hmm. maybe on their actual menu board, they have like an NFC clip or something. Mm-hmm. So you can walk, you know, step away with your phone, especially important in the age of COVID. You don't want mm-hmm. you know, four people crowded around a menu. Um, four different people, people will still like, crowd around the QR code. code. <laughs> <laughs> well, you just have to quickly scan it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and step away. Um, but yeah, no, I, I think that's a really good use case. And the nice part about it is it sounds like they stick around on the phone for a couple of days. So even mm-hmm. if somebody didn't want to pay right then and there, mm-hmm. they've, they've mm-hmm. probably got a few days. Um, mm-hmm. but they've hit the link and it's there. And I, I imagine it's on the home screen. You give it an app icon and things mm-hmm. like that. So they can still run it and then the system will delete it mm-hmm. when it needs to. But yeah, that saves because if you're paying a contractor or a tradie or something like that, you don't need Orbit yourself. No, no, um, exactly. But you want a snippet of Orbit's mm-hmm. UI yeah. to be able to jump in and pay mm-hmm. if you're using Orbit's payment mm-hmm. platform. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. And that's mm-hmm. sort of those quick interactions for somebody who might need it one off. That's where app clips make a lot of sense. They don't mm-hmm. want to have to go to the app store and create an account and sign in and all yeah. of this stuff. Yeah. It's just, yeah. yeah. And that's where we feel like it really uses the platform for the right thing. Like this is, this feels like something that would fit quite well with payments and with people who are working on the go. I, I think it would be really fun. And I think, yeah, it might be a bit nichely adopted in the beginning, but realistically, iOS users are quite good at updating their devices and Apple is quite good at pushing people to update their devices. So I think people will be, especially since iOS 13 doesn't have a great... It's it's not been very popular, I guess. I think many people will be happy to update to iOS 14. 
the adoption rates are good. It's a good adoption rate, but I think many people in the tech industry still complain about it. But like, mean, people, 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 people complain about complain everything. about anything forever, yeah. including ourselves. I'm not even excluding ourselves. We will complain about anything because we we extremely. I mean, also including Apple people. <laughs> you know, it's not like. Mm-hmm. Uh, Apple. Everyone at, at Apple is like everything is great. Why is everyone complaining all the time? No, it's like no. they're some of the most critical people uh, within the within the uh, within Apple Park, or I guess right now outside of Apple Park. <laughs> but uh, point still stands. Yeah. Um, and as a result of that, a lot of the changes we've seen, right? It seems like the beta is already insanely stable. Yeah, and, yeah. And, and that's what I'm saying. I think the fact that it is so stable and that it looks really really promising so far make I think that makes more people like. Not just developers want to up, want to update sooner as well. We'll see. I, I'm, I'm on iOS. I'm really not worried about adoption. Mm-hmm. It's usually pretty all right, unless you have millions and millions of customers, you know, and you you don't want to cut those off, mm-hmm. or you have I don't know, you you built like some kind of enterprise thing that has to be sanctioned by the by the big corporation, and they have to do their security I check whether they think iOS 14 is actually safe. <laughs> then I mean, you have it's other all BS, problems, though. But yeah. Zach, well, do you have a general rule of thumb of how many versions back you support on iOS? Um, no. So, I mean, the thing is, for my own things, it's never really mattered because I don't make a significant amount of money. So, I can make a decision that might be silly. If I was... See, I feel like I'd think about this very differently if I was relying on whatever it is for my only source of income or mm-hmm. close to my only source of income. Mm-hmm. Um, but, like, I think the general... Like, I probably wouldn't do more than, like... N minus two. Okay. That seems overkill. Probably N minus one is fine. But then you've got the argument this year of, well, 14 runs on all the devices that 13 mm-hmm. runs on. So maybe it's less of a concern. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's in, it's a tough one. In general, I think rule of thumb doesn't make a lot of sense for this. Like, no, it, I think it's it such a on decision on is there, is there any value in using all the new APIs and how much effort is it yeah, to support yeah. the old mm-hmm. ones? If there's zero value in the new APIs for you, why would you drop people? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, you know? I agree. And especially but if there's a crazy amount of win for us, like with Swift UI and all the mm-hmm. updates to that, and us releasing a new app, why would we support thirteen? Yeah, mm-hmm. you know, especially it's, when it's a completely new oh, app. for a new app. <clears throat> you know, because you're you're never gonna like otherwise you're just creating a support button. People yeah. are gonna stick around on thirteen. Whereas if you go fourteen from the beginning, you know that nobody's ever mm-hmm. gonna run your software on anything. Mm-hmm. That's and that's also different. 14. I think if we could support uh, iOS twelve with Swift UI, maybe the discussion would be different. Just because there are some devices that are not able to upgrade to iOS thirteen or fourteen, uh, like some of them are stuck on iOS twelve. But we're not in that situation, um, so we may as well drop thirteen. Or rather only support at 12, because there are also so many new things that we want to use. Yeah, but I think rule of thumb kind of makes no sense necessarily. It really has to be a deliberate decision. As with everything, why would you I wouldn't know, have a I rule know, of no, thumb I, for like, you know, you wouldn't have a rule of thumb that you always respond to your customers in seven hours. It's like, what if you have an answer after well, 20 minutes? Men, yeah, yeah, but you know okay. what it's like working with big corporations. I know, they I know. have those hard and fast rules that yeah. have no thought behind them. It's just, yeah. we need a number, we need yeah. to have a rule and, and but i also I, it's, starving, not, it's not just it's sorry hence our starving artist salary at the moment <laughs> that we're giving ourselves because we much rather have way less money and figure working on our own things and making our own sensible decisions mm. than yeah. working for a large corporation but i don't just think it's large corporation when it comes to what ios version to support i think there are indie developers that are also or people who have their 
personal opinion that you should support a certain amount. Yeah, but that's fine. I, I'm totally okay with indie developers saying, you know what, I don't want to think about this. I always support last year's and this year's. And if that's what, how they want to run their indie business, sure, whatever. It's it's the, like, if your corporation enforces N-2 yeah. for no reason, that that is annoying yeah. to me because it's like, well, why do you make this decision? Mm -hmm. Ah, no one knows. It's just, we, we established that in our bylaws. I'm <laughs> like, cool. You do you. No, um, that's when you should question it and be like, hey. No, that's when you people. should quit and do indie efforts. <laughs> <laughs> Either make the corporation better or leave that place. <laughs> Anyways, so um, wh where does this, this leave us for Intel? What's going to happen with Intel now? <laughs> with all the ARM stuff? I, I, think I mean, Intel has other customers, right? Yeah, but it, it will look really weird, right? If you yeah, see, yeah, like, I mean, they lose their biggest customer, then they're next to worthless. Apple snapped them up for some engineering talent. <laughs> and bye bye Intel. <laughs> Suddenly, it's... no Android phones can use Intel chips. I don't know if they are. And um, yeah, no, but uh, phones, phones is okay. I mean, I think most of us all those PCs gonna have to switch yeah. to mm. what's the competitor AMD or something. <laughs> Yeah, but it's weird. Like, even for them, like AMD and Intel, they will look foolish compared to what I expect the ARM chips yeah. to look yeah. like that Apple makes. You even mean in terms other of ARM quality? chips look foolish compared to Apple's ARM chips. Are you, are, yeah. When you're saying foolish, are you talking in terms of quality? Yeah, we'll be. How, how good does it look for your entire company when, when you're like, your selling point is a product that gets way hotter, is way slower, and burns battery like there's no tomorrow. I mean, it would like, still, I mean it's, it's still something that could potentially be an option for companies that are not Apple that needs an ARM, uh, an ARM chip, right? What do you mean? Like, they're, they're companies that don't make their own ships. So even if, let's say, Intel would start, picking, start making ARM ships themselves, then they could sell that to other companies. Yeah. I mean, there are multiple things, right? So first of all, Intel's chips, I don't... It's kind of weird, right? Intel's own chip will look... I expect... I mean, they already look kind of foolish compared to the current iPad chips, right? Mm -hmm. uh, if you if you look at yeah. benchmarks, yeah. you're like, hmm. Yeah. One is clearly different from the others. And the, the faster one, on average, mm -hmm. on the same kind of uh, price range, uh, target range, um, is running without a fan in an iPad, can sustain... Uh, mm -hmm peak loads for way longer and uses like no battery and costs a fraction of it so intel would you, will look kind of silly compared to so I, would you say intel already has been falling behind yeah of course that's do why you know moving on. do you know why um they couldn't know oh, so many things they couldn't <laughs> get their processing their fabbing their their they, they just missed a whole bunch of their their timelines that they set out for themselves they, like they they just didn't progress at the rate they expected for for a long time because they had certain issues bringing the the size down and those kind of things okay um but now you'll see the contrast right at the moment it's like whoa aren't our iphones fast and everyone's on the air cool i can my iphone's really fast whatever mm -hmm. but now they need to compete right you look at let's say apple releases an imac that runs arm and an imac that runs intel and one is cheaper quieter faster better in any way you're like well now you can really clearly see one of those devices is clearly su like superior by by a long shot yeah. it's what yep. i expect yeah I, and i think 
the rest of the industry will notice that too. If you're like, you buy a MacBook Air and it's like, hey, we have like 20 hours of battery life. And like, mm -hmm. how many? 20? <laughs> well, all the other ones that run on weird Intel chips are like, yeah, we do we do battery. <laughs> we have like five or seven hours if you're lucky and, and it burns your lap off if you run it. It's, if we call it laptop, but I mean, I don't know if you like second degree burns on your lap. <laughs> It's just, it will be so, I expect it to be very, very clear the difference. And mm -hmm. hearing Apple interviews over the last few weeks, they're very clear about that they seem to be confident yeah. in what they're releasing. Yeah, yeah. Mm. I think one example of that is the uh, the interview with Craig Federici. Mm. And uh, I was hoping I would come up with the second person's name by now. <laughs> um, Jobs. Is it Jobs? Yeah. Yes, yeah. I, yeah, I, was, I want to say was, but no, Jobs. Jobs um, yeah. So I was at um, the talk show, and I think uh, Craig Federico specifically said that like the ship that is in the um, in the current. Um, gosh, why do I keep on dropping names, dropping words? <sighs> DTK? DTK, thank you. Mm -hmm. So the ships that are in the current DTK, that is something that is not even what they want to ship with. And I think he even said that this was something like, uh, this is the, this is if we're not even trying and it's mm -hmm. already really good. And like the confidence in his voice made it sound like, y you see, you see, like, mm -hmm. like, like he was very happy about what there is to come. So yeah, I think they're definitely going to have something that is really great and that is a huge improvement. But at the same I think he even said, like, the ones of us who know what's coming are very excited about the future or something yeah, like that. Yeah. It didn't sound like someone who's trying to, to undersell what what's in the pipeline right mm -hmm. it definitely no. sound like someone's like you think it will be awesome it will be even better yeah. than that but it's a tough situation for apple to be in right because we're <laughs> oh, yeah, wanna... apple <laughs> <laughs> no but like they have this exciting new thing and i think we spoke a bit about that um after the keynote that it felt like they are really excited about arm but then they sort of had to add this sort of side note saying we will still release intel computers later this year and i'm it, it must be a hard way a hard thing to balance like how to like be able to continue making people excited to buy new intel computers that might be coming out later in the know. year a lot of people won't care until they see the difference i think that's why apple releasing arm computers will have has to happen at not just one odd computer it has to be like we have a macbook pro for you and we have an imac for you like covering but you'd only sell an uh, sorry an intel computer that was better than whatever you could do with arm at this point in time you know i don't imagine they're going to have say two two versions of the macbook pro one with arm that's clearly so much more performant mm -hmm. and another with intel that's what you can't even make it cheaper like there would be no incentive to buy that computer yeah. so only, obviously you're going to go maybe high end or something with intel still. or you you just have something that you want to release next week yeah and yeah, our macs are not ready until the end of the year yeah. so they will yeah, release a new imac next week let's say um and that they only released that because the imac hasn't been updated in a while and they know the mm -hmm. new imac won't make it until the end of the year and they don't want to wait mm -hmm. whatever right yeah um but, but then, if you need that new iMac, you're going to be glad that it's available. Like, yeah. I, I have no regrets about having bought this MacBook Pro only a couple of months ago. <laughs> yeah, I was going to um, ask you about that, but it, I wasn't sure. I yeah, didn't want to bring it up. I didn't know how no, bad you no, felt. The thing is, I needed it, and I yeah. still continue yeah. to need it. And, you know, it might be it might be two months, it might be six months, it might be two years before they have an equivalently performing 
um, MacBook Pro, but I don't know that and I couldn't wait. So yep. it didn't matter. Um, I'm glad <laughs> I, that I, I have it. to say this. Good that you future proofed that one. <laughs> it's fine. Like, look, I know. No, I, know. I, I expect this to be as perf- I, I know there'll probably be trade offs in terms of like heat and, and battery life and things like that. But performance wise, this one is not going to struggle for years to come. Like, no. so I you don't no think you will, but I do think your Mac will surpass that in, in no that, time. That's, yeah, and that totally might be right. So you don't think that's going to be like an issue you have to. You have to address that. You, like, don't you think you're just gonna update because it's no. it's a new machine as it comes? This thing available? was very expensive. It's <laughs> it's staying probably at least three years, unless I have a development need to buy an ARM-based Mac. In which case, I'd probably buy the cheapest one available. Unless you which find the development still surpass need. the performance of your current one. We'll see. <laughs> and then so, in that case, I'll have to switch. Right? Like, yeah, this, yeah, no, yeah. 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 But no. But I think I still think that's unlikely. Yeah. I think. That, and my point yeah. is. Um, I do not think <laughs> Apple will release only the low end MacBook. I don't think. I think right, Apple yeah. wants to show. Look, this is our chip, and it's it's awesome. They don't want to be like mm-hmm. here. Kind of, it kind of holds macOS together on this just super low power Mac. Yeah, I think they will have a MacBook Air type thing, but I do think just based on all the wording Apple used, they want to show like this thing flies. Mm-hmm. I mean, they, they also wanna- did say that they want to have. It sounded like they wanted a complete lineup of our machines within two years mm-hmm. as well. Yeah. So but I can imagine multiple being at release at the same time. I would definitely expect that. They, yeah. the, the ends that are probably not covered directly, I would assume, is I, my expectation is they start with a MacBook Pro mm-hmm. just because that's mm-hmm. super popular. Apple would save a lot of money from running their own chips. It would make lap, laptops in general will be highly benefit from from all the things we already see in the even if they would use something like the ipad chips right even like there there's so many benefits in in a mobile computer especially i think the 13 inch is a good candidate sorry zach um because they haven't done the industrial design update that we expected and Mm -hmm. a good reason for that is because they want to wait with that for the arm max um, so when you say 13 inch you mean a potential 14 inch sure like whatever happened to the 15 inch in the industrial design update that same thing happening to 13 inch so it's like what we currently see as a 13 inch because i do think that's a super popular mac a mac that would benefit a lot from it because it's smaller has a smaller heat envelope has less less cooling right it has one fan less um than the the larger models and something that does struggle more in its in its current thermal envelope to to maintain like all the high clock speeds so and it's still being a pro mac and i think apple wants to show off like this is our our pro Mac that runs our silicon. I don't, you know, mm-hmm. it would yep. be weird for Apple to say, look at this wimpy old machine that yeah. we now yep. also make around an arm. Yep. They want to be like, they come up, they, I think they want to come out of the gate firing. Mm-hmm. And I think having the new design plus the, in, in that case and it being clearly superior to the current one in, in a lot of ways and kind of almost probably replacing that in the lineup is, is a good one in the, in the laptop segment because mm-hmm. The 16 just got a significant update. Yeah, there yeah. is definitely mm-hmm. more headroom in the CPUs they use on the 16. So maybe they can't shoot as far above what they have right now because Apple likes, like, they like graphs where they show, look, this is 2x performance in, in CPU. And in particular, the 13 inch all come with integrated GPUs. I don't know if they have dedicated ones in 13 no. at all. No. So that also means in the GPU side, they can also show our GPU is significantly better than what's coming with the integrated one from Intel. Well, mm-hmm. with the 16-inch, that would be more challenging because those uh, dedicated GPUs are, are they're not they're not too slow. 
right? So competing with that is also harder. That's why I think the 13-inch is just such a prime candidate for for it being one of them. But I don't think Apple will only do a laptop. I think they want to show what they can do. Mm-hmm. A- again, it is a big transition, and it's bigger than the Intel transition was because the Intel transition was to here's a new third-party provider that we're using for our CPUs. This one is like, this is the best that we can do, you know, with Apple Silicon. So I do also expect them to do something on the higher end and a good candidate for that would be iMac. More so, I mean, there might be Mac Minis, but they don't get that much attention. There might be Mac Pro in the next two years, but again, it's very niche and probably also the hardest customers. You know, those customers, when when Apple updated Final Cut, everyone's like, all right, we're leaving Final Cut because any Mm. change we cannot deal with. Um, So I think the Mac Pro is probably also the the most conservative uh, user base. I mean, not everyone, of course, but I think some of the pro users are probably, you know, if your audio plugins are not running on on ARM Macs, you're not going to buy an ARM Mac Pro. just makes Mm -hmm. no sense. What do you expect? uh, um, What do you call it? Like, how do you expect that to be handled on the uh, Mac Pro? Now, when I mean, the Mac Pro is a really expensive machine and people bought it relatively recently. Mm -hmm. Do you think there will be some type of sort of, some way of like retrofitting? No. No? You think people have to buy a completely new... Yeah. Entire unified memory architecture is very different, right? You don't have separate RAM and Mm -hmm. GPUs, uh, I think. I mean, again, maybe I'm wrong, but I I would expect it to be a different... I do think... I don't think these ARM chips need to try and compete with the Mac Pro at all, or replace the chips in the Mac Pro for Mm -hmm. years. Yeah, yeah. It's a very specific class of computer. Mm -hmm. I I would think the the Mac Pro is potentially the last ARM Mac Apple will sell. Mm -hmm. That so, is not like a refurbished or like we also have this one in the corner. Okay, but, so so do you think that means that the uh, Mac Pro is not going to be updated in a while, or do you think they will continue updating it? I, I think that chips? one will get. I mean, we've already seen like a GPU, a new addition to the GPUs you can mm-hmm. buy like a week ago or so. Okay, I think this is just Apple realized. Let's build something modular that we can update as as frequently as 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 possible like mm-hmm. new new cpu available let's put it in there new gpu available let's put it in there no one cares and the people who care will appreciate it mm-hmm. so let's just have this a very modular system where we do those kind of updates as without any engineering right mm-hmm. new thing put it in there new thing put it in there done um and i think that's exactly what that machine should be for okay um doesn't mean in in two years it will still run on that it might even you know imagine i mean if you think about how much uh cooling and like power capacity that machine has it's it's a thousand watt Mm -hmm. uh rated uh case for for like its cooling capacity it can cool like a thousand watt of total load in this in this (laughs) thing um and draw that much power i think the arm processors at the moment draw about what is it? Three watts? <laughs> like something like very. Do we, do we actually know? N- like if you look at the iPad ones, it's like okay. three and most ten watts. Like okay. you could you could put like uh, hundreds of them, like hundreds of and a hundred x core count of that chip in there, and it would still have headroom. That's insane. So I don't know what that machine will look like. I think that's that's probably the one that's the furthest away. But I would be surprised if if Apple didn't already think about that. ARM transition when they released that Mac Pro. Mm-hmm. So there's surely they will get there at some point, but it's probably a lower priority one because of the audience it's targeting, mm-hmm. because of the, the kind of lag time you have on those kind of professional software, mm-hmm. and just because 
it is it is kind of beast for what it is right now hmm. and and so low volume i don't think it it warrants the if apple would have wanted to this to be a flagship arm mag i would have expected them to release it as an arm mag not release it first and then then switch over because that's just confusing to everyone because they would also have to provide that one as an intel one as an option for a while mm-hmm. so i think to me just sitting here thinking today the most likely candidates are the 13 inch macbook pro maybe maybe other macbook pros as well and and some type of imac Mm-hmm. Um, and for just to kind of cover that kind of spectrum of like, mm-hmm. look what we can do portable and how amazing that can be from battery and heat and and performance and GPU, and and something in an iMac to be like, look, and this is if you have constant power, this is what we can do there. Mm-hmm. Just because Apple's moving to their own chips, I do think they want to show off a bit. Um, not that it's a high priority, but I think that's kind of what they're going with. Look at what we've cooked together here, and it's. It's a future, and it's so clearly better. And even if you look at other ARM chips, right? ARM is not what makes a difference. Apple calls it Apple Silicon, mm-hmm. not ARM. Um, part of that is, like, if you look at Qualcomm's comparable uh, ARM CPUs, what are they called? Uh, I forgot what they're calling them. But, like, what they're chi- shipping, for example, in the new um, Microsoft Surface ARM machine uh apple um, microsoft released a mm-hmm. new arm-based uh, laptop this year i believe or last year and someone on i think i saw an article in mac rumors where someone compared the the current dtk chip right the mm-hmm. a12z that they put into the development kit without any any you know without any intention mm-hmm. of ever releasing that and someone on mac rumors uh, or multiple people seem to have run uh uh, benchmarks on them despite you're not supposed to do, do that people did that um not super surprising but still i, I don't know why people are so so relaxed about vi- violating the NDAs, but whatever yeah. um and so someone run gotta d- get those likes kai yeah so someone ran a geek bench on the armed uh, on the apple dtk on this chip that was never designed for for <laughs> being run for an actual mac retail system through rosetta 2 which means it it does the entire thing where it translates everything or emulates everything mm. which and i it, think is why i mean it's such a irrelevant test of what it's actually yeah, gonna look like you're, you're testing the dtk at yeah. that point but you're also testing it in in its worst possible environment in in a thing that will never be in any customer sense right but it's irrelevant for multiple reasons apart from the comparison to what the microsoft laptop uh, looks like because that one is okay. an ARM chip as well, mm-hmm. and it runs the n- native ARM version of Geekbench, and it performed worse than Apple's DTK that had to jump through all those hurdles to even run this thing in the first place, and it's still way surpassed, <laughs> like ten, twenty, thirty percent past the Microsoft one, <laughs> which is, and Microsoft just buys it from I think Qualcomm, the uh, okay. a new ARM chip. Uh-huh. So that that's already like it's not ARM is not what makes this. Like Apple's silicon team is just very, very, very good at what they're doing. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's something that you always see with Apple. I think many people criticize them for not picking things up early. And I think that's just Apple Apple wants things to be done right. And I think when they do things, especially I can imagine, especially switching things that are hardware related from a different manufacturer to doing it themselves, they want it to be perfect. Because they 
I mean, why would they want to make? Well, why would they want to make the computers worse than than they possibly could be? Because they would get so much criticism as well if they would do that. Yeah, but it's also. I mean, I, I know I'm I'm sounding super excited about it, but it's like we, we've always looked at the iPads and the iPhones. And we're like, man, those have nice CPUs. And I know. I Mac- can just imagine like the the silicone team hearing all the people on Twitter being like, oh, look at this iPad. It runs so much better than my computer. And then like, you'll see. But here it's we go. also like. I sit here and I'm like, oh man, the iPad hardware is really nice. Mm-hmm. And why does iPad get all this attention? And I love the Mac and the Mac's great. But it, it I mean, I, I look at the same iMac industrial design for, I don't even remember how many years. I think since 2013. Yeah. Like, uh, you, uh, yeah. I, I, I did change iMacs a few times, but I look at essentially the same thing for the last seven years. So it's like, I was always a bit jealous of all the advancements on iPad because it's not a product that I can use for what I want to use my computing devices for. And that's why I'm so excited because mm-hmm. this is the year, I mean, where where the Mac really gets a lot of attention. And that's super exciting because I, mean, I sit in front of this thing for like, I don't know, 10, 12, 14 hours a day. And too much, too much. Yeah, no matter what, it's it's in a too much category. But it's exciting that finally it seems like we will get some of all of that work now yeah. also getting into those devices. I know, I know. And it really feels like everything, all the focus is back on the Mac. And I wanted to talk a bit more about that and like how Apple is sort of approach uh, approach this during WWDC. But I think we might be going a bit over time. Yeah, for our, our artificial time frame that we set ourselves. I, I just feel like we've been recording for a while. <laughs> so maybe we should finish up with this uh, our, our Mac game that Kai came up with that I completely <laughs> am aware more, about. <laughs> so it's not, it's not that much of a game. Um, it is more about uh, timelines. So if we look at Apple's current lineup, right? Uh-huh. Mm. We, we have all the Macs. And Apple said in the keynote, there will be a two-year transition. So I thought it would be fun if all three of us give a timeline, just, just, it doesn't have to have specific dates, just which is the first iMac, second, third, until we're through the, the lineup with Mac which one is, iMac. Uh, Mac, sorry. Okay, okay. Cool. In, in my world, all of them are Mac. Um, <laughs> sure. Like, w- what is, what is the timeline from the first Mac until the last Mac that, okay. that transition? Do you want years? No, no, I don't care about years. You can, as you, reasoning through your timeline you i'm happy for you to share years uh-huh. but i just thought it would be fun to kind of put all three of us putting a timeline into the sand of what order we think those max are being uh shipped as arms arm max mm-hmm. and then we can look so at basically that. like which one will be first and what will be second and what yeah. will be last yeah and then then we can compare and it's just we're just looking at the current currently shipping computers okay. apple might add a MacBook without any uh, suffix again, yeah. but we're not That's including that That's almost what I was expecting with the ARM transition was revive. I, I don't think they'll do it just based on the screen sizes they've gone for, but like maybe they go like 12, 14, 16, and they bring back the 12-inch and the 12-inch mm-hmm. is the first, mm-hmm. like a super capable one. It's more capable than the 13-inch. Anyway, I'm getting into my prediction too. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah you, can, you can add those. That's fine mm-hmm. um, yeah. if you oh. want to, but th- all the, the requirement is fit all the ones they're currently selling into your timeline. If you want to add new ones and you're saying it's the the MacPad Pro, mm-hmm. which is a hybrid of a, an iPad with a, and an iMac, sure, go for it. But we have to fit, the computers we have to fit is the MacBook Air, the MacBook Pro 13-inch, the MacBook mm-hmm. Pro 16-inch, the iMac, the iMac Pro, the Mac Pro, and the Mac Mini. Mm-hmm. And everything else is, if you think any of them will be dropped, that's fine too. But then you have to explicitly say, the Mac Mini will be dropped. Mm-hmm. Did you say Mac Pro? Yes. 
Uh, and did you say iMac Pro? Yes. Okay. Thanks for listening. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I, no, I'm just confirming yep. that affects what I'm yep. going to say. Yeah. Uh, I just went to Apple's website and clicked on Mac and yeah, just cool. picked all, right. all the ones that they currently show. For so we're we doing this. We're we writing things down, or can we no, just we do it visually? Um, and visually. Yeah, okay. and we do the order. Uh, Marlon Zakai, because why not? Okay, cool. Um, so I think I'm already starting on like another wild card, but like <laughs> I guess a product that's not available yet. I do think it could be that the first machine would be this 14 inch or the rumored 14 inch MacBook Pro. Um, mm-hmm. That could be the first one. Uh, yeah, I, I I just called it in our document MacBook thir- uh, MacBook Pro 13 because that's the one I will what. Yeah, it would replace that one. Yeah, yeah. Um, Should I say all the ones I'm thinking, or are we going in order? Should I continue? Oh, good question. Should we do a round robin and say one each, or Mm. any preferences? I think say them all at once. There's not that many. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Um, And then I, uh, it's hard. Like I feel like maybe iMac, but there's also been rumor that there's a new industrial design for the iMac coming out. But I think Kai has a very good point in that they should sort of want to show both a sort of laptop and a non-laptop, like an iMac. Maybe the iMac Pro was a while ago since it was updated. Big call. Yeah, I know. I, I feel like I'm starting out very risky here. But yeah, I'm going to go. I'm going to go with that. IMac so Pro. MacBook Pro 13, then the iMac Pro, mm-hmm. potentially at the same time. And then? Yeah. And then uh, da, 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 I would believe maybe the 16-inch, but that okay. would probably be a bit later. Mm-hmm. Um, just because it's been updated relatively recently. Uh, and then there might be an iMac Pro. Uh, sorry, uh, uh, just a regular iMac mm-hmm. after that. And then, then you have the Mac Pro, the yeah. Mac Mini, and the MacBook Air left. Oh, MacBook Air. Sorry, can I fit that in somewhere? Sure. Uh, I think I'll put that between the iMac Pro and the 16-inch. Okay. No. 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 I put it after the 16-inch. Okay. <laughs> yeah. 16-inch. MacBook Air, they might potentially even drop the MacBook Air, but I'm not going to call that. Mm-hmm. Um, that's just me speculating. And then, so after MacBook <laughs> Air... <laughs> While the rest is all based on <laughs> factual information. <laughs> and then after the MacBook Air, I think there will be a new iMac, mm-hmm. and then a Mac Mini, mm-hmm. and then last but not least, Mac Pro. All right. Definitely um, not least. I, I want to see yeah. that machine. I do believe there will be some type of, what did you call, Mac Pad in between there? <laughs> <laughs> MacPad <laughs> that, Pro. <laughs> that potentially could be a hybrid. I think there are... I want to talk about this in a future episode. I think there are reasons why there might be a convertible uh, type of computer that would be touch... Ver- like, that could handle both touch and keyboard input or and mouse input. And I think that could oh, will come that be somewhere. all of them? That could... Hmm? Maybe all the new... I know. That, that could come somewhere in between. and Or it might just be like there's both a laptop and a iMac replacement of this, but this is th- that's too much speculation, so I'm going to leave that out of this. Okay, cool. Oh. Zach, what's your order? Okay, so I think the next Mac update we'll see will be an iMac, but it will not be ARM. Okay, yeah, I fair enough. Fully, cause I'm fully expecting the... Were we supposed the... to include no. that in this list? <laughs> no, okay. no, 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 but I'm just saying, this is why... I, uh, so I think because they mentioned they, they're excited about non... Um, Max, I don't mm-hmm. think you'd release a low-end Mac that was that had an Intel CPU mm-hmm. uh, later this year. So I, 
I think the Mac Mini is the obvious first one or mm-hmm. in the first wave because they know that it works based on <laughs> all of these uh, DTKs that are going out. Mm-hmm. They're not surprised. But it's just um, not that much of a boom. It's not that exciting. No, no. It's just why I don't think it'll be the only one in mm-hmm. the first like wave that they announced, but I think it'll be probably at the same time as then the MacBook Air. Um, I I still am undecided as to whether the MacBook Air changes its form and goes back to a 12-inch, but like that low-end computer, we'll, we'll just say the MacBook Air. Mm-hmm. Um, following that, so yeah, I think Mac Mini and MacBook Air to start... Probably the 13-inch MacBook Pro would be either in the same boat, like at the same, at the same time or, or slightly after. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, maybe hypothetically that could be like a March next year kind of thing. I know dates don't matter, but I'm just thinking out loud. Um, yeah, so you get, you get those in, say, March. I think that the iMac and the 16-inch MacBook Pro will be updated at the same time. Um, so that will be the next two, probably mm-hmm. 16-inch MacBook Pro and then iMac. So obviously my my... Ordering is following a bit of a pattern here in terms of uh, least powerful to most powerful computers. Mm-hmm. Um, really, can I can I say the iMac Pro goes away? Does that sure? count? Ooh, really? Oh, I don't think that. I mean, if if a performance boost as uh, as imagined kind of happens, I don't know if there's a need in the lineup for an iMac Pro. Mm-hmm. I could be totally wrong about that, but it hasn't gotten much tension lately. Mm-hmm. Um, and then following, I think the Mac Pro will be the last one. And whether that's within the uh, speculated two-year time frame or if that happens in four years, time, I don't know. Um, mm. But I would expect sort of all the other ones to happen probably within two years of the transition starting. So, like, mm-hmm. if it's if it's first if the first Macs are announced in say October, then I would probably expect that within two years. Mm. See, I could so, even yeah, imagine. Sorry. Oh no! Just, that's my uh, that's my reasoning for those picks. Okay, I could even imagine there being a Mac Pro uh, spec bump later this year before mm-hmm. it goes to Intel. Just because I think if they would wait with Mac Pro to be like the last thing that is updated, I think people would be very anxious. I think people who have just been Mac Pro lovers have just been very unhappy about the update s- sort of pacing. That but the- they are trained in pain. <laughs> I just think in order to keep them happy, it makes sense to have a spec bump. And realistically, it's probably beneficial as well to, to have it, not just not just for the sake of keeping them happy. But I think if you... Like if they now do a major update again? It's like, yeah, I don't think it will be a major update. I think it will be a spec bump. So, that's like major. Some type of bump so that they have this new thing available and then they I are think okay some kind waiting of bump is a is the show title by the way <laughs> and then they can wait four years let's say they want to wait for a longer time we want to wait until everything else has gone to arm it it doesn't look as good if this ha- if the mac if the current mac pro is the last mac pro that was released mm-hmm. with intel and i just think for the sake of sort of making people more comfortable it would be quite good to release an update of that beforehand before waiting another four years or another two years just because then people will be worried that it's forgotten which i don't think it will be but i just think for the sake of i mean as i said there might be changes that can be that it might be reason why it would like it's not un, like it, it it might deserve an update in general and i think it's better to release that now than waiting and doing it in 4 years i'm i'm with you i think the mac pro will get updates through the transition so what what's your pro. what's your order for the rmax so i i i mean i argued for the macbook pro uh 13 inch so i will Fair. 
mm-hmm. use that one as as a first, just based on it not being updated and all the things I mentioned before. I think it just it, got an update, Kai. Y- yeah, sorry, Zach, but it's not. It <laughs> didn't get an industrial design update. Sure, and, sure. And yeah, there is, I mean, it'll probably be fourteen inch, which yeah, I forgot yeah. to say in mine, but whatever. You know but, what I mean? But there were there was so much smoke around a industrial design update and we haven't seen that and now we're getting so close to to the industrial design uh, to the arm transition and we still have seen a spec bump for the 13 inch as it is right now mm-hmm. i think the the most logical reason would be that they're building it as an arm even if that was not always the plan all along right maybe they just realized this is kind of getting awkward we release this with a new industrial design and, and then we release one that looks the same but you know apple's done that before where it's like it kind of looks the same but one is clearly worse than the others and it's like you now have to say don't buy the macbook pro with two thunderbolt ports because it's significantly slower than the one with four yep. and that's awkward I, and there's not as much of a need for that in in the post transition world right because apple makes all the th- parts there's no reason that there will be any lower more or less you know there's no apple can design this entire thing in whatever way they want if they want four ports and all the things it's a lot easier than having to rely on a specific cpu from intel that supports more thunderbolt ports or not so i do think apple might use that as a as a chance to say all right new industrial design all of them are great and you you just decide how much grade your budget can handle mm-hmm. But it's no longer that one is it's it's again good, better, best, and not kind of odd, better, best. Um, so that's that's why I think the MacBook Pro 13 inch mm-hmm. seems like it just is very based on all the things that seem to have kind of come out. Seems like a good candidate for this, and uh, I think the iMac is is also a good candidate just because again same thing, no industrial design changes in a long time, a lot of smoke around potentially 14 inch. I do think Apple wants to show off their their chips. I do agree with Zach that the Mac Mini seems like a good candidate, just because I mean mm-hmm. Apple already shoves different CPUs in them at the moment for the DTK. So, um, but I, I don't yeah, know. I'd, how. I'd be pretty surprised if that wasn't the first one. Yeah, it just wouldn't get enough attention. So, I, I if if no, yeah, no, no, you're right, well. it, it couldn't be the only one. It's probably. not that flashy of a no, product. You need mm-hmm. a consumer like laptop or something mm-hmm. to go out with a bang. But yeah. it wouldn't surprise me if they did a, almost a silent update at the same yeah. time. Mm-hmm. I mean, we don't know, right? We sit here and we're like, "Hi, huh, Apple, well, we're going to slowly transition all of it. And maybe they come out by the end of the year and they're like, new Mac Mini, new MacBook Pro, new iMac, new uh, MacBook Pro 6-inch. And they're like, whoa, everything but the Mac Pro. You know, we don't know. It could be that Apple's like really having uh, a fast, fast launch of those chips that you can go into the Apple Store. And for most reasonable people who would go to an Apple mm-hmm. Store to buy a computer there is an arm mac for them i don't know mm. but this this entire premise and i don't want to destroy my own premise is based on there being a transition that that goes in multiple steps so we'll continue um so i think macbook pro and imac fairly similar times then i do think the uh, macbook air seems like a next good candidate just because it's it's a machine that already had a bit of a weird cooling situation mm-hmm. as it is right now that it, but it did get an industrial design change. Their cooling solution might lend itself a lot better to an ARM chip that doesn't get as hot, where you don't need the direct connection of the uh, heatsink to the CPU. So you're thinking that that was the idea all along from this new industrial maybe, design? Maybe it was like, we, we have this MacBook Air for now as a mm-hmm. transition, but we wanted this industrial design to work really well with our ARM Macs. It works fine with, with not 
with the Intel chip as well, mm -hmm. but they definitely hit the cooling envelope quite quickly and throttle. Mm -hmm. So I think this industrial design would go quite nicely with anything that has more performance per watt. And that's why I think it's probably considering that, again, based on this assumption that this industrial design was definitely forward-looking, seems like a good candidate then to fairly quickly move it in there. Um, after that, I would say the Mac Mini... Um, I don't put it that far back because I don't think it will happen earlier. I just think if anything else is is busy or uh, production delays or anything related to any issues based on on virus in our world or, or tariffs or whatever, Apple will deprioritize the Mac Mini over the MacBook Pro, the iMac, and the MacBook Air. Mm -hmm. That's just purely based on that. I, I do agree with Zach that apple probably already has it's it's a fairly easy product to to release mm -hmm. uh and but you would, still put it that far back yeah just because i think in 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 priority it's probably lower so if i have to bump one i just picked a mac mini for now mm -hmm. sorry mac mini um so after that uh we i think we're going going to see the macbook pro 16 inch um i do i could imagine that being fairly quick um Just because the GPU side, mm -hmm. I, I don't know how good Apple's GPUs are compared to the 16-inch uh, dedicated GPUs. And there is a lot of people that buy those 16-inch explicitly for 3D work. Um, and I I mean, that's why also why we had some of those, um, like, uh, what were they called? The the GPU boxes that you could connect? Oh, yeah. I'm blanking on the name. No, I don't I know what you're talking about. AGPU? Ah, yeah, AGPU. Mm -hmm. Um Yeah. So I, I do think there's a lot of GPU-heavy work that people might want to do. And I don't know how good a eGPU will run on all the new architecture with mm -hmm. the ARM. So I do think anything that has a lot of GPU power uh, is more likely to be towards the end of the transition because maybe Apple needs an extra generation of GPU improvements before they feel happy with fully replacing that line. Mm -hmm. Um so that's the MacBook Pro 16. Then, for the same reason, the iMac Pro, just because, again, GPU, I think, will be hard to match do you the think they bigger will keep, ones. Do you think they will keep an iMac Pro? I don't know if they will keep an iMac Pro, but I do think they will keep the iMac Pro until they have matching performance in 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 the iMac that runs on their own silicon. Okay. So maybe it's not that they're... But they might not come transition it to ARM. Yes, but okay. I think it will. It might go away in the future, but mm -hmm. it might be the next generation of, let's say, the next one is our, the mm -hmm. A14 series. The iMac Pro might go away with the A15 series iMacs. Mm -hmm. So maybe we see the second iMac update that then obsoletes the iMac Pro. Okay. I just don't. Either they will keep calling it Pro because Apple likes to call things Pro at the moment, mm -hmm. or it will be obsoleted then. But I don't think it will be making it into the first batch of of replacement. Okay. For GPU reasons, because the Vega Pros are are pretty big GPUs. Okay. So then um, that leaves the Mac Pro. And then the Mac Pro, because okay. that that one is just the hardest one to replace for all the reasons we. At least we about. all agree. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Because it's it's hard. There's so many things that yeah. that will be hard. Like yeah, yeah, all the all the cards that you want to slot in, all the drivers for those, all the GPU stuff, all the how do you even get dedicated GPUs being replaceable with a unified memory architecture? Do you need a special MPX module and only Apple sanctioned cards that you plug in directly to mm -hmm. then use the same uh, memory? How do you even have you know some of the mm -hmm. GPUs have like tens of gigs or. 30 something gigs of RAM or, or 
video RAM that they bring with them, that won't be a thing anymore with the unified memory architecture. So then you have to sell a Mac Pro with a crazy amount of RAM so the GPU can tap into that and it's shared across. It's just, I think that one is just the, the most challenging to, to make work. And mm-hmm. therefore, I think by far will be the the last one to to make it out of the lineup. Hmm. Cool. That's fun. Mm. Good impro game, Kai. Thank I, you. I, I sounded snarky, but I was actually... <laughs> no, it was good. I, 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 I enjoyed it. Thank we'll you We'll have for to that. revisit this in a year or so and <laughs> yeah. see how we're going. I mean, we can kind of follow it along, right? Yeah. Uh, by the end of the year, we are already know whether Zach with his Mac Mini is, is on the right track or not. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, well, I, I just see that happening, but that probably means I'm going to be wrong. So <laughs> that's the, the joy of this game. I mean, it you, you, you it did... also depends on one thing I didn't mention before uh, that I considered in my, my, my lineup was... Yeah, you if... held this back so that we could not use this information. <laughs> no, I just forgot, <laughs> forgot to mention it. If we see any kind of transition towards touchscreen stuff, all the things that don't come with the screen themselves will be pushed just yep. because Apple then needs to have some kind of touchscreen external display. Yeah, so item. you're saying if it's a complete transition and all of those devices would be available with touchscreen, it yeah. would be unlikely then that the ones that they ship with the, the ones that ship with a monitor or with the screen attached yeah. to the device make that a lot easier. I don't know if I'm necessarily agreeing. I've seen a lot of chatter around people being like, oh, everything looks like touch now. Mm, I don't know. I mean, certain things, sure, but overall, macOS is still not a very touch OS. Yeah, but then I think, again, uh, iOS there's apps... so many things I want to talk about related to this. Uh, <laughs> I know, but we yeah. have to hold that. I yeah. think we have to hold that for next. And next for, for, go, for be, yeah, for people who are like, why podcast. didn't we talk about all the topics Marlin suggested? That's because Kai came at the end and pushed all my topics down <laughs> and added all those other random topics on top. Thanks. Thanks for throwing <laughs> me under the bus. It's a good thing we're back next week. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think we'll, we'll have about 7,000 hours of content oh, left. Yeah, we're, we're, yeah. we're fine. So Not. many exciting things to talk about. I, I really enjoyed your topics, Kai. I just forgot to add them to the list. Yeah. So just as a teaser, we'll that. talk about macOS development and, and all the different frameworks you can pick between and how to pick the right one for your next application or your existing one, uh, Swift UI changes, and, and Facebook Lightspeed. <laughs>